Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're continuing on the subject of prayer as taught by Jesus Himself in Matthew chapter 6. Last week, we took a careful look at Jesus' warning about praying hypocritically. We learned that that kind of prayer may earn you congratulations from men, but it displeases God. We might call that lesson, How Not to Pray. Now in verses 9 through 15, Jesus will teach us how to pray. This is our second week on the topic of prayer. I got a bit ahead of myself last week and mistakenly gave you this week's sermon title. Last week was from the sermon titled, When You Pray. This week, the title is, Pray Like This, Part 1, and we'll focus on verses 9 and 10. Next week, we'll take you all the way through verse 15 with Part 2. Here is today's piece of the message entitled, Pray Like This, Part 1. The sacred four letters. Y-H-W-H is how it would be transliterated into English. The most logical, ex- the most logical pronunciation of that would be Yahweh. But among the, among the Jews for a long time, due to a misinterpretation of Leviticus 24.16, they would never pronounce that word, Y-H-W-H. They would not say Yahweh or any other way to, uh, to translate that. Leviticus 24.16 says, The one who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. Well, if you blaspheme ridicule, mock, insult, misrepresent the name of God. Well, that was blasphemy. That was to be punishable by death. But they turned that into a superstition about the sounds that they made when their eyes saw YHWH on on the page. And ancient Hebrew was not written with any vowels. It was all consonants. That sounds weird to you, but maybe you've seen one of those things. You take, take a paragraph, remove, you can do this with your computer really easy, remove every vowel, you can still read it because you know what it sounds like in your, in your um, language and in your, and in your experience, in your culture. So here's what they did. When they would come to Yahweh, the superstitious belief that if they mispronounced it, I mean, what if they said Yehwah, instead of Yahweh, they thought, uh-oh, that could be the death penalty. It was pure superstition. It was twisting what the Scriptures say. But they'd read along, and whenever they came to Yahweh, they would say that other word, Adonai. That's the word that they would say, Lord. Hence, in many of our Bibles, whenever the, the original is Yahweh, You'll find the word Lord in English, but you will find it in all caps as opposed to capital L-O-R-D, which would be a translation of Adonai or the New Testament Kyrios. They would pronounce that, they would pronounce, uh, they would see Yahweh and say Adonai. Well, as Hebrew manuscripts were uh, protected and preserved and, and, and passed down, 
a group of Jewish scribes known as the Masoretes. They were in business from about 300 B.C. to the 10th century A.D. And we, uh, for our understanding of Scripture, owe a great debt to the tremendous, um, spectacular, detailed work of the Masoretes in preserving the, the Hebrew text for us. But what they did, they... As Hebrew began to be spoken less and less, they wanted to preserve the language, and so they invented the system of vowel points. They have all these consonants, and they know the sounds to make with them, but fewer and fewer people are speaking Hebrew, so they invented a system to put little, little points above and below and between uh, the letters to tell you how to make the right sounds. Well... Whenever they would come to YHWH, they were always saying Adonai. But that isn't what the text says. So in, their, in the Masoretic text, they um, take the vowels from Adonai and they put them between the letters, or connect them with the letters of Yahweh, and you get something like Yahowah, or to anglicize it, Jehovah. Jehovah's not God's name. Jehovah is a, 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 a made-up way to avoid pronouncing Yahweh. Now, you probably don't have any spiritual goosebumps um, about that. But just imagine if every time you read the word B-I-R-D, you said the word master. It makes that much sense. Okay? But it was, it was to avoid mispronouncing the word of uh, the name of God and therefore being guilty of, of blasphemy. But this is God's personal name. This is God's name. Yes, he is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. Uh, he, he is Elohim. He is God Most High. He is the Master. He is all of those things. But when God makes a relationship commitment... When he makes a covenant, he uses the name Yahweh. So, for example, Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. God further spoke to Moses and said to him, Now I'll show you how it is in the Hebrew text. I am Yahweh. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai. But by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourned. So when he brings up his covenant, he says, that's me in my relationship with them. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says, I am Yahweh, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Or Malachi 3.6. For I, Yahweh, do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Do you see the connection to the covenant? The only reason you exist in spite of your sin is that I don't change and I made a promise to preserve you. So we're going to have to deal with this sin problem of yours and I'll send somebody to take care of that. Now there are many combinations of Jehovah or Yahweh. 
I'll give them to you anglicized, but he is Jehovah of hosts. He is Jehovah our righteousness. Jehovah is my banner. Jehovah heals you. Jehovah is peace. Or Psalm 23, 1. Jehovah is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. So when you say, hallowed be your name, you're saying, I'm setting aside this special understanding of who you are because that is the one who has redeemed me. Psalm 34, 1 through 3 says, I will bless Yahweh at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in Yahweh. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify Yahweh with me and let us exalt his name together. Now that sounds foreign to us, right? We had this long uh, history, this long tradition of English translations, uh, not using that name, but using Lord, all caps, which confuses it with the other word for, uh, for Lord. There is actually a, a new Bible translation in process right now. It's due to be revealed or due to be uh, released very soon in the New Testament Psalms and Proverbs, and then the whole Bible will come along later that will, among other things that it will do, it's a, it's a revision of the, of the New American Standard that will uh, work the actual name Yahweh where, into English where it is in the text. And it'll sound a little weird to you at first, but you'll understand the name of the Lord all the better. You can't stand any more goosebumps, so let's move on. The target, our Father who is in heaven. First position, first petition, hallowed be your name. Second petition in verse 9 and the beginning of verse 10. Pray then in this way, your kingdom come. This is a prayer to hasten the time that the kingdom will come to earth. Our greatest desire should be to see King Jesus reigning in his kingdom, where he will have the honor and the glory and the authority that has always been his but has never been claimed on earth. This petition is for Jesus to come and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't say king of kings and lord of lords. Why? Well, that's, <laughs> that's a name that we have to read to the end of the book uh, to get. Revelation chapter 19 is about the, the second coming of Christ. Revelation 19.11, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. Of course, this is Christ. And in righteousness he judges and wages war, which you read about in the last part of that chapter, and then on into the judgment in Revelation 20. And then down to verse 11 of Revelation 19. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus says, pray, your kingdom come. Now, there's several ways to see that um, prayer potentially being answered. Obviously, the, the most clear one is, you're praying for the kingdom to come. Uh, like Titus says, we, we who love His appearing, we're looking forward to seeing Him face to face, being knowing Him as we are now known uh, by Him. Right now we live in a sin-cursed, upside-down world. Ephesians 2.2 2 says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says he is the God of this world. So we want the real king to come. The earth is a revolted territory within the, the, the creation of God, and we want to see that turned back right side up. 
So in this age, we are members of a spiritual kingdom. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.